Guys, we, we got good stuff ahead. Grab a seat if you can. Grab your Bibles if you can. Grab a phone to take some notes or whatever you use for that. I believe that, uh, and I, I seem to say this every week because I really believe it every week, but I believe we're here by appointment and we're here by God's purposes and God's timing and God has you here at this time for this moment. We're going to be continuing our series called Shipwrecked. How many of you guys caught last week? Anybody caught last week? If you didn't catch last week, go back and listen to it. It's kind of, the, kind of a setup for this week, but uh, if you missed it, you're still going to get something out of it today. I want to start off with a, a scripture in Luke chapter 17, verse 5. It says, the apostles said to the Lord, increase our faith. Now, you know that anytime you're talking to God, anytime you're talking to Jesus, it's a prayer, right? So they're praying, Jesus, increase my faith. Have you ever prayed a prayer like that? Has anybody ever prayed a prayer somewhat like that? Like, God, I want to grow in my faith. God, I want to go to the next level with you. God, I want my faith increased. Just lift up your hand if you've ever prayed a prayer like that before. That's what they're praying right here. They're saying, increase our faith. Have you ever prayed a prayer like this before and then shortly after that wished you could take it back? Because <laughs> I think that sometimes we pray prayers and we wish like after a little bit of time, like I'd, I'd like to rephrase that prayer, God, just a little bit, you know. And so uh, that's the kind of prayer they prayed here because I believe this, your faith, my faith can grow. But here's the question I have for us today, and it may sound like a weird question because we're in church and we're all saying we love God and all that. Do we really want our faith to grow? Because we're going to look at a story today and a couple stories that really challenge the idea, do we really want our faith to grow? I was at a conference this past week and uh, last week. And uh, one of the speakers there challenged us, and he talked about taking a courageous, act, a courageous act of obedience that costs you something. He's really talking about that's, that's kind of an act of faith, is a courageous act of obedience that costs you something, a decision that you don't know where it will take you or how much it will cost, but that you know in your heart God is nudging you to act. Some of us have a feeling like that, that we know there's a decision we need to make. We don't know where it will take us or how much it will cost us, but there's no doubt in our heart that we're feeling that nudge from the Holy Spirit to act. And we want our faith to grow, but do we really want our faith to grow? Because when we read a story like what we're about to read, we, it kind of challenges that. So what I want to do is look at a story that many of you guys have heard before. And it's found in Matthew chapter 14, verse 22. It says, Immediately he made the disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side while he dismissed the crowds. And after he dismissed the crowds, he went up on a mountain by himself to pray. And when evening came, he was there alone. But the boat by this time was a long way from the land, beaten by the waves, for the wind was against them. So here we find a story with the disciples in a boat and it feels like the ship is falling apart. Has anybody ever been in that situation before where it feels like the ship is falling apart? And where's Jesus? That's where the disciples are in this moment. And in the fourth watch of the night, he came to them walking on the sea. So Jesus just says, I'm going to get to the disciples quickest way, point A to point B. He's just walking on the water. No big deal for Jesus. So he just starts walking on the water. 
to get there faster. But when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were terrified and they said, it's a ghost. And they cried out in fear. But immediately Jesus spoke to them saying, take heart, it is I. Remember that phrase from last week? He said, take heart. That, that phrase continues. Take heart, it is I. Do not be afraid. And Peter answered him and said, Lord, if it is you. Now, think about the situation. We, it's easy to read a Bible story, but let's put ourselves in a situation. You're in the boat and the storm and the waves and all of that, and you see some mysterious figure coming out across the water that speaks to you and just simply says, it is I, don't be afraid. And so then one of you in the boat says, well, Jesus, if that's you, <laughs> Jesus, if that's you, uh, command me to come to you on the water. Now you're thinking, which one's crazier, right? <laughs> I mean, Peter's like, well, tell me to come out on the water if that's you. It's kind of like a little test. And, and it says, he said, come. So Peter got out of the boat and walked on the water and came to Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid and beginning to sink, he cried out. He said, Lord, save me. Jesus immediately reached out his hand and took hold of him, saying to him, Oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? Does anybody ever wrestle with that scripture? <laughs> Peter just walked on water, had a moment of weakness, and Jesus said to him, ah, You got little faith. Why'd you have so little faith, Peter? And he says, he took hold saying, you have a little faith. Why did you doubt? And when they got into the boat, the wind ceased. A couple things about the story. The first thing is this. How did, and here's the question, how did Peter know it was Jesus? I believe he knew it was Jesus through this question that he tested him with. He knew it was Jesus because Jesus asked him to do the impossible. And when he knew that Jesus was asking him to do the impossible, he's like, mm, that's Jesus. That's what Jesus does, is he asks us to do the impossible, to do something impossible. And so he's like, that's Jesus. I'm going to walk out. And Jesus, he walks on the water, has a little moment where he starts to sink, and Jesus says, you've got little faith. Now, this is not the first time the disciples have found themselves in a boat with a storm and, and Jesus around. Because if you rewind the tape, they had seen this movie before. They had been in this very situation before, except Jesus happened to be with them. This time. So let's look at the other story. Rewind the tape. They'd seen this before. Matthew chapter 8 says, And when he got into the boat, his disciples followed him. And behold, there arose a great storm on the sea. See, this had happened to them before. So that the boat was being swamped by the waves, but Jesus was in the boat asleep. And when they woke him, saying, Save us, Lord, for we are perishing, he said to them, Why are you afraid, O you of little faith? Seems to be a thread that has already happened here. Then he rose and rebuked them, or rebuked the winds and the sea, and there was a great calm, and the men marveled, saying, What sort of man is this that even the winds and the sea obey him? You see, the disciples had been in this situation before where they were scared of a storm, and Jesus said they had little faith. Now, the first time they freaked out about the storm, Jesus said, little faith. The second time, Peter walks on water, and Jesus said they had little faith. Anybody see the challenge in this story here? Like, Jesus said they had little faith both times. One time, they were scared of a storm. The second time, Peter walks on water, and Jesus still said he had little faith. And here's what I believe is happening here. And it's what I really want you to catch. 
What once was impossible changes as you grow in maturity. Impossible changes. What was once impossible as they were newer believers, now that changed to become a different type of impossible. So what once was impossible at one level of faith now becomes possible, and then it becomes a new impossible. Why? Because I believe this, your faith can grow. It's not like you just have faith or don't have faith. The Bible says that your faith grows. Your faith grows exceedingly. I believe it's 1 Thessalonians. It says your faith grows exceedingly. We go from faith to faith. See, our faith is not just on or off. It's not just at one level forever or none. It's, it's growing and changing. And, and so what once was impossible now should be possible, and we have a new impossible because impossible moves. Impossible changes. Let me just give you a picture for this just in the natural how many of you guys have kids and have kids in your life around? Okay, some of you guys. How many of you guys remember the story or the, the time? For me, I'm remembering a story. When we first had our first kid and we go through the, the hospital thing and they take us out to the car and we put the car seat in and they make sure we've got it all buckled in right. Then they put this little, some of you guys, I've seen some of your kids, seen some of your kids. You guys just had this experience. And you, they put you with your kid in the car And then they shut the door and they walk away. And I remember sitting there like, they're trusting us with this thing, you know. We don't know what we're doing. We just read books. That's all. We don't know what we're doing. And yet we're responsible for this thing, this this child. We're driving away. Like, this is so, how many of you guys remember that feeling? It's like, what are we doing, you know? And so it's just like, man, this is just crazy. Then all of a sudden, we had another one. And it was like, how are we going to take care of two? We're barely doing this, right? How are we going to take care of two? And so then it was like, okay, we got a plan. Okay, I'll take one, you take one, we go to the grocery, whatever, we got a plan. Then all, we're we're like, people with three kids are crazy people. That, how do you even do that? You don't have enough hands for that, right? And then pretty soon, we're like, well, three, maybe three. And so three comes along, and it's like you're playing like zone defense, you know, at that point, you know. But you come up with a plan, and you're like, the four people are just, there's, there's no way. And then all of a sudden, okay, we have four, okay? Now we've got two and two. We've got a plan for this. Five people, five kids are just, how many of you guys have more than five kids in your life at some point? Okay, yeah, I'm like, yeah, some people you're like, these people are crazy. These people are just like, I'm, I'm not even going to say what I said last night because it wasn't being recorded. Um, you guys missed it if you weren't here. Um, but it's just like, how are you going to do that? How are you going to do five kids? And then all of a sudden we had five kids and now we're the crazy people, right? And then I see people who have more than that. And I'm like, okay, this, we got to stop somewhere, right? Because what happens is what, and if you rewind the tape all the way back to that first one, now just having one kid is like, well, that's easy, right? I know you don't want to hear that, right? But, but one is just easy, you know? And, and so the same is true with our faith. Let, let me say it this way. If you've been following Jesus for any length of time and you're somewhat of a seasoned believer, what was once little faith as a believer ought to be puny faith. I can say it this way. What is little faith for you now should be huge faith for a new believer. Because impossible moves. 
impossible changes. And if impossible isn't changing, can I just suggest we're not growing? Because that's the life of faith. It evolves and it changes. And so if impossible changes, so does little faith. What used to be little faith to you ought to be you not, not even able to see it anymore because it's just, it's just part of your life now. It's like adding another kid. Now, now that's not even a problem now. And yet what I, I'm, I'm kind of up against this idea just because I've seen it so many times that so many believers are still living back at the little faith they started with. And this is where they think little faith just stays for the rest of your life. But little faith ought to be moving and growing and ought to be changing into something else. You see, so the first story, the disciples and Peter's right there and they're scared of a storm. And Jesus said, you have little faith because you couldn't even be calm in a storm. Now Peter walks on water and slips for a moment. And Jesus said, you have little faith. What am I trying to tell you? I'm trying to tell you this, that your faith is not measured by the last thing you did but by the next thing you'll do. Your faith is not measured by the last thing you did, but by the next thing you'll do. So for Peter, he just walked on water. And God wasn't measuring his faith by his walking on water, but by the next thing he was capable of. Because impossible moves. And so the disciples pray this prayer, Lord, in Luke 17, 5, they said, increase our faith. Increase our faith. Now, do we really want to pray that prayer? Because when we pray the prayer, increase our faith, do you know what happens? Impossible moves. When we pray the prayer, increase our faith, guess what? Little faith goes way back there. When we pray the prayer, increase our faith, guess what? The way that our faith increases, we may not be so happy with. Because sometimes increasing our faith, we may not want God to necessarily answer that prayer after we've prayed it. So I'm going to just share with you a couple different ways that, as I was praying this week, that God showed me and revealed that our faith increases. And some of it's fun and some of it's maybe not so fun. And and I could talk a million different ways about that, but this is just what God gave me. The, The first way our faith increases is by stirring. By stirring our faith once again. Some of us have just gone stagnant in our faith. Some of us have just settled for first disciples in the boat, original faith. And that's where we're going to stop. Some of us have gone dormant in our faith. Some of us have settled for what was impossible years ago, and we've just stayed at that level of impossible. And we need to stir up our faith. So we were at this conference, and and, uh, Dwayne Vanderklok, he's a pastor up there, and he really started... Uh, this whole movement that our church is a part of called the Link Organization of Churches, and it's a fellowship of churches that are like-minded, and he's really like a father figure in the faith to me, and one day we'll probably have him in at some point to, to come and speak, but I just wanted to introduce you to him and have him help me preach a little bit this morning on this topic of stirring, just to introduce you to Pastor Dwayne Vanderklok, so watch this. Second Timothy chapter 1 and verse 6. Therefore, I remind you to stir up the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For God has not given you a spirit of fear or of timidity, but of power, love, and a sound mind. Now, now notice it says you need to stir up 
the gift of God that's in you. You see, so often what happens is God does something. There is an impartation. It, it, it can be something that God speaks to your heart. It can be something that happens prophetically. It can be something that happens through the laying on of hands. Remember, the Bible says that Joshua was filled with the spirit of wisdom because Moses had laid his hands on him. Laid his hands on him. Uh, may I remind you that in first, no, in Hebrews chapter 6, it talks about the fundamental, the basic doctrines of Christ for New Testament Christians. And it says the laying on of hands. The laying on of hands. And he's saying that hands were laid on you, right? And a gift was imparted to you. He said, and you need to stir up the gift. Now, remember I said in the beginning, one of the most important things about you is how you host the spirit of God that's on the inside of you. Because you can have something on the inside of you and you can totally ignore what is in you. A gift the Spirit of God has given you. You can totally ignore it. And, and, and by the way, uh, it, it's just so true. You, you've heard the saying, use it or lose it. And it just goes dormant when you don't use it. Um, you know, Jeannie and I lived in Mexico for, for seven years. And uh, when we went to Mexico, all the Spanish that I knew was taco, enchilada, chimichanga, and casa. I mean, that was it. All right. So, so uh, we get there and, and uh, we get in language school and, and, uh, and I was preaching in Spanish after, after seven months. Sometime I'll, I'll tell you the story about that. All right. Now it's been 36 years since we lived in Mexico. Right? Now, if I'm going to do something in Spanish today, you know what I do for a month beforehand, right? Every day I listen to the Spanish Bible, at least 10 chapters before I go, right? And I'll try to find a show on Netflix in Spanish. You say, why do you do that? Because it stirs it up. It stirs it back up, right? But if I don't use it, I get rusty. I get slow, right? I might conjugate a verb wrong if I don't use it. But when I use it, it gets going again, all right? And one of the ways that you stir up the gift that's in you as you begin to use that gift that's on the inside of you. So good. So you have to stir it up. You can't just expect it to stay the same. You stir up. And he's talking about gifts and stirring up the gifts. The same is true with our faith. If we don't stir it up, one of the ways you stir up your faith, the Bible says that our faith, it, it comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. And so one of the ways we stir up our faith is by continuing to get the word of God into us, getting the word of God into us and stirring up our faith. But if all we do is stir and hear and stir and hear and stir and hear, and that's where we stop, your faith will still stagnate because faith doesn't just increase by stirring. You need the next thing for faith to increase, and that's acting. Because once your faith has been stirred, now we have a responsibility to do something with the stirred up faith. And that's to act on it. We talked about it last week that faith without works is dead. So you can have all the stirred up faith, but if you don't act on the faith, then eventually the faith will stagnate and become dead. 
See, faith is really believing something to the point that you believe it so much that you are willing to act on it. That's when you know you have faith for something, is when you believe it so much that you're willing to act on it. Acts chapter 14, verse 27, it says, And when they arrived and gathered the church together, they declared all that God had done for them, and listen to this, and how he opened a door of faith to the Gentiles. Do you know what an open door of faith is? An open door of faith is simply an opportunity to use faith. How many open doors of faith do you think you had last week? Probably a whole lot more than you thought about coming in, right? If you just stopped and thought about how many opportunities you had to use faith. God has given us so many open doors of faith. But if our faith isn't stirred up, and if we're not ready to act on the faith, then we miss and we bypass the open doors. Because God will give us many open doors of faith. And Now, how, how does... How do you go from the storm, being afraid of the storm, to the walking on water version? I don't think you just get there overnight. I don't think you just jump from one level of little faith to another level or from one impossible to another impossible. How do you get there? I believe it comes through acting, but through this acting on faith comes through a series of small yeses that happen throughout time. God comes to Peter and he says, follow me. And Peter says, yes. God comes to Peter and he says, throw your net on the other side. And Peter says, yes. We can walk through Peter's story and it's a series of yeses that start to open new doors and bigger doors till you get to the come out onto the water. And Peter says, yes. See, it's the acting in faith that continues that series of small yeses that starts to increase. I remember when I was just a teenager, I wanted to be used by God so much and I was in school and, and trying to figure out how to reach my friends. And, and, and I just like, okay, God, well, I'll do whatever. And so I had this idea, I'm going to buy this Christian t-shirt. Do they still make these things, these Christian t-shirts that, and they had like a message on it and stuff. So I went to the store, to the Christian bookstore and bought a Christian t-shirt. And I'm going to wear this Christian t-shirt to be a, a light to the school and to, the, to my friends and to be a walking billboard for Jesus, you know. And I'm going to carry my Bible. And, I and so I bought this shirt. And on the front of the shirt, it said, heaven, yes. And on the back of the shirt, it said, is anybody going ahead of me here? Just making sure you're paying attention. And so I wore that thing to school. Heaven, yes. Hell, No. And I wore that to school. It was big. I mean, it was huge. And, and so I'm like, I'm just going to be a walking billboard for Jesus. I'm going to be used by God. The only time I ever got called to the principal's office was for wearing my Christian T-shirt. And I remember specifically trying to explain to the principal. I'm like, no, heaven, yes, we want to go to heaven. We don't want to go there. They made me turn it inside out and wear it for the rest of the day. But however misguided that was, I just wanted to say yes. See, and so we never get away from the yeses, the small yeses that build upon one another. That's called acting on faith. Luke chapter 16 tells us this. This is kind of how faith is built and how responsibility is given. It says, one who is faithful in very little is also faithful in much. One who is dishonest in very little is dishonest in much. If then you have not been faithful in unrighteous wealth, who will entrust you 
the true riches. And if you have not been faithful in that which is another man's, who will give you that which is your own? What is he saying here? If, you have, if you're faithful in the small yeses, God will eventually give you some big ones to say yes to. But so many of us, we just want to dictate when the big yes comes. But we haven't been faithful in the little, faithful in the yeses, faithful to follow through in the acting on our faith after it's been stirred. And we stir our faith up over here when we are just still at the I'm scared of a storm level and we want to be walking on water, but we haven't walked through the process of our faith increasing. See, there's a process for your faith to increase. If you're faithful in little, then you'll be faithful in much. I remember when I was just a youth pastor, I was, I was 21 years old, and I was a youth pastor at this very large church and millions of dollars budget and all sorts of things. And I was just coming out of just barely being a teenager, and my budget is like gas station food for lunch budget, you know? That's what I'm used to. And I remember asking the, the pastor, because the church started off small and got really big, and I said, how did you handle all these big numbers when you started off so small? And he said, it's no different. He said, the numbers are just the same. And I said, well, what do you mean? He goes, it's just the same numbers as when we were, we were smaller. You just add zeros to the numbers. What was he saying? He was saying, if I handled things right down here, up here, I just got to add zeros, and it's the same. The same is true in our life. If you can be, have integrity when there's just one zero, then God can start giving you more zeros to add to it. That's what it takes to increase faith. So I'm going to have, have Pastor Dwayne continue to, to preach to us. So let's listen to Pastor Dwayne. It is up, up to us to keep impactful the experiences that we've had with God. Now listen to this, 1 Kings 11. So the Lord became very angry with Solomon because his heart turned away from the Lord God of Israel who had appeared to him twice. God had supernaturally appeared to Solomon twice. But Solomon let his heart get hard and turn away from God. You know, the Bible says, to whom much is given, much is required. To whom much is given, much is required. And and literally, Solomon had two totally supernatural experiences with God. But yet, he neglected them. He neglected their impact on his life. And the Bible says, as a result, the Lord was angry with him because he did not take those experiences that he had and literally use them or keep them impactful in his life. Paul, I think it's interesting, you know, Paul is on his way to Damascus and he's on his donkey and Jesus appears to him and knocks him down, speaks to him. Tells him what's going to be happening in the future. Uh, Paul tells that story two times in the book of Acts. And it's recorded in the book of Acts. He refers to it three other times in his epistles. He kept that supernatural experience that he had with God. He kept it impacting his life. And uh, just because something happens to you and the Spirit of God does something that is powerful, if you don't steward it right, it becomes sale, it becomes sour. And and literally, it comes to the place where people say, I don't even know if it was real. I don't even know if it was true. But it was real, and it is true, 
but it's not impacting your life anymore. Jesus heals 10 lepers, right? How many of them came back to even say thank you? Just one. Just one even recognized this is something that God has done and I need to reconnect with God and I need to say thank you. It is so, so common for God to do something supernatural in our lives and then we simply forget all about it. And we do not steward the thing that God has done or the gift that God has imparted to us. So Paul told Timothy, he said, stir up the gift. Stir up the gift. Well, one of the ways you stir it up is simply by using it, using it, he stirs it up. So we stir up the gift, faith increases by stirring, faith increases by acting on our faith. This last one may not be very popular when you pray, increase my faith. Because sometimes our faith increases through testing. That's when you want to have the prayer back, right? <laughs> In James chapter 1, verse, one or verse 2 through 4, it says, Consider it a sheer gift, friends, when tests and challenges come at you from all sides. How many of you guys do this? Like 100% of the time. Like, it's no problem for me. It's a gift. No, we struggle with this. But he says, it says here, You know that under pressure, your faith life is forced into the open, And shows its true colors. So don't try to get out of anything prematurely. Let it do its work so that you can become mature and well-developed, not deficient in any way. What's it saying here? Sometimes when tests and challenges come your way, it forces your real faith out into the open. Don't try to get out of that because if you let God do its work, if you let faith and God do his work and you trust in God and you stand firm there, what's going to happen? Your faith is going to grow into maturity if you don't step out. See, sometimes our faith increases through testing. And this is what gets a lot of people because we want our faith to increase. And then when there's a challenge or there's a test, we're like, where's God? God is right there. God doesn't cause everything. But God can use anything. And some of us are wondering, where is God? And God is saying, I'm right here. I said I wouldn't leave. And so God is right there. Pressure doesn't cause your character. It reveals it. Pressure doesn't cause your faith level. It simply reveals it. When you're under pressure, whatever comes out, that's the true level of your faith. Your default response is your true level of your faith. Don't be discouraged by that. Be encouraged because once it comes out in the open, now it can grow. I got a, a call from uh, my daughter a couple, it was a year or two ago, and we have bad cell reception at our house, cell phone reception. And so I got this call and, and she's kind of panicking on the other side and I, I can just get bits and pieces of it. And all I hear is that she's been in a car accident. And I have this moment where I'm like, how, what's happening? How many of you guys know that there's a, there's a difference between a reaction and a response? A lot of times you'll have an initial reaction to something, but then you get to decide how to respond to something and where you're going to live. And so even though I didn't know the whole story, I didn't know how bad it was, I just decided I'm going to have a response of peace and joy and patience. The fruit of the Spirit is what's coming out of me. That My faith is going to be solid no matter what's on the other end of this call. 
And what happens, you have an opportunity to see what your faith is really like in those moments. Some of you, some people are, are disappointed with God because you had an experience and you felt like God was there. I heard this line one time, and this is going to be for somebody today. There's only one thing worse than being disappointed with God, and that's being disappointed without God. Because some of you, you may be disappointed with God and you choose to step away. There's, the only thing worse than being disappointed with God is being disappointed when you've chosen to walk away and to step outside. Because I promise you, God has been there all along. And there's so many people that I talk to that would love to see miracles. How many guys would love to see miracles? Love to see more miracles. I mean, we read the book of Acts and we're like, why don't we see more of this today? Why don't we see more? See, here's the, the problem. So many people want to see miracles, but nobody wants to see a problem. But yet, if there is to be a miracle, there must first be a problem for the miracle to match with, right? And so all these people who say, I want a miracle, but they don't want to see any problems, I don't believe you. Because there has to be a problem in order for there to be a miracle. And we don't want problems to come, but how many of you guys know there are plenty of problems to already go around that we could see miracles for, right? See, if you want to see more miracles, guess what? You're going to step into some problems. If you want to see a miracle in somebody's life, you're going to step into the problem before you see the miracle. If you want a miracle in your life, guess what? There has to have first been a problem for there to be a miracle solution for. And that's where the test comes. Because so many times when we see a problem come our way, instead of continue to hang on, well, I want to see miracles, what we do is say, where's God? God's saying, I, sometimes God has to let things get to a place where it's humanly impossible so he can be the God of the impossible to show up. And, and that's just the test of our faith. Because everybody wants a miracle, but nobody wants a problem, and miracles require problems. I, I've preached this before, but it's so key. 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verse 8 and 9 says this. Paul says, but I will stay in Ephesus until Pentecost. For a wide door of effective work has opened to me. How many of you guys want to see wide open doors in your life? Anybody want to see wide open doors? See, y'all know it's a trick question. Um, because the next sentence says, and there are many adversaries. And here's the problem I see. Too many believers, when you're trying to discern the will of God for your life, this is what I see too many people doing. I've done it before. I've seen a lot of people do it. We say, God, give me an open door. And how we define an open door is we look at all the options and ultimately we see the one where it looks like the path has been cleared. And we say, that's an open door from God. And so we walk through that door. Then we get to another situation in life and we say, God, give me an open door. And we look at all the options and all the doors and we look, there's trouble here, trouble here, trouble here. Path cleared. God gave me an open door. And we walk through that door. Then we get to another place in life. We say, God, give me an open door. I want to discern your will. Path's clear. Let's go that way. And we end up with a path of least resistance Christianity. And we end up so far away from the will of God that we've ended up in a place of comfort than a place of Christ. You see, sometimes there are open doors that God has set before you and there are many adversaries. It's not so God can walk you into problems. It's so that God can walk you into victory. And if you don't ever have some victories, you will not have confidence in God. Because God is the way maker, the miracle worker, the promise keeper. But if you've never been in a battle and seen that true 
then you won't have confidence. Your faith will stay back over here. And you could be following God for 30 years of your life and still have disciples in the boat, afraid of the storm, little faith. But how many of you guys want your faith really to increase? I, I do. I want my faith to increase. I want my faith to continue to grow. Many times open doors are disguised as opposition. Many times open doors are disguised as trouble. Many times open doors are, disgui- are disguised as persecution. Many times open doors are, descri- are disguised as delay, failure. But we're looking at open doors and saying, God, increase my faith. Oh, that looks easy. God, open the door. Here, here's what I, I want to wrap up with. I'm going to have the worship team come back up. If you want to have your faith increase then you need to put your faith in the right environment. You need to put yourself in the right environment. If you put a fish in water, how many of you guys know it swims, right? How many of you guys know it's hard to catch a fish in water, right? People spend thousands of dollars trying to catch fish in water (laughs) because they're hard to catch in water because that's where they live. That's their environment. But if you take a fish out of water and you put it up on the land, after a while, anybody could catch that fish, right? Because it's not in the right environment. What I'm saying is if you want your faith to increase, you might have to get your feet out on the water. Because your faith increasing the environment that it requires, it may require some wet feet. But so many of us are standing back on the land and saying, God, increase my faith, increase my faith. And we're never willing to even get into the boat. If we want our faith to increase, we stir it up. We act upon it. Sometimes we go through tests. What I'm saying is too many times we're trying to spend all of our prayer life trying to get God to reduce the odds in our life Mm -hmm. into our favor so that we can accomplish it in our human strength. And sometimes God wants the odds to be in his favor (laughs) where they seem impossible to us. Because here's what happens with impossible. Impossible, when you link your faith with God's impossible, it pulls you forward. And it pulls you forward. But if you never want to get in the boat, get out of the boat, then you'll just stay on dry land and you'll be saying, where's God? If faith is to increase impossible has to change. And here's my question for you. When was the last time your impossible changed? When was the last time impossible changed? Has your impossible changed lately? Because if your impossible hasn't changed, I'm just going to say it, maybe we haven't grown. Maybe we haven't grown. I understand there are seasons of life and sometimes you go through rest seasons and sometimes you go through growth seasons, sometimes you go through plateau seasons. I'm simply challenging you, when was the last time your impossible changed? Now at the end of this whole story that we looked at with Peter, at the end of the whole story, it says they got into the boat and what did they do? They literally had a worship service and they worshiped Jesus in the boat. That's that's probably the key to this whole thing, by the way. They worship Jesus in the boat. Because it's not about walking on the water. It's not about the miracle. 
It's not even about our faith increasing. All of those things are simply to get us close to Jesus. Because when Jesus said, follow me, impossible starts to move away and we better start following. When Jesus said, when Peter walked on the water, it wasn't so he could brag to everybody, hey guys, look, I walked on water. He was wanting to get to Jesus. He just wanted to be close to Jesus. So that when they got back in the boat, they just worshiped Jesus. It was all about Jesus. I read, read this thing about Phil Vischer who started the VeggieTales things. How many of you guys, some of you guys grew up on VeggieTales. Some of you guys parented to VeggieTales, right? I mean, you're like, let these vegetables disciple my kids, you know? And he started this whole thing. And then his whole dream went bankrupt at one point. And he kind of spiraled downhill and just wondered, where's God? And then he had this, he heard this sermon and it, it went something like this, that sometimes God allows a dream to happen in you, allows a dream to flourish, will even allow something to die to see if it was about the dream or if it was really about him. Because it's really all about Jesus. It's, our, it's not about getting out on the water. It's not about proving what we can do. It's not about trying to be a better Christian. It's not about any of those things. All of those things are really just, our faith gets stirred. We act on our faith. Sometimes there's testing because we want to be with Jesus. I don't know about you, but I want to be where Jesus is. I don't want to stay back when Jesus is getting further away from me. It's, 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 it's not like he, he walks out of my life, but sometimes the distance between what's on his mind and what's on my mind are so far away. He never leaves or forsakes, but sometimes the distance of what's on his heart and what's on my heart is far away. And my faith increasing, all that means is that I'm getting nearer to Jesus and his heart. And when I can hear his heart, my faith increases. So I figure it's, it's appropriate if we do what the disciples did. And we just take a moment just to worship here at the end. And we do this every week, but maybe it's time for some of us just to lay down that thing before God and say, God, what I really want is to be in step with you. And if that means I have to leave that level of impossible to go to this level of impossible, then that's what I want. If that means I need to step on the water to be closer to you, then that's what I want. And I'm gonna worship you because it's all about you. So would you guys stand up with me as we get ready to close and let me pray and then we'll do that. God, we thank you so much that you died for us, you took our place, you took our sin. You rose from the dead, you give us grace. You did all of that to give us life. Not so that you could walk and we would be left behind, but so that we could walk in step with you. Lord, I believe that's our desire today is to walk in step with you. And I pray it for myself and I, I'm sure I'm praying it for some. And we kind of know a little bit more about what comes with this prayer, but I pray increase my faith. Increase my faith today. Because I want to be where you are. I don't be about what you're doing. I want to be about what your heart is. Increase my faith. Let my impossible change today because I'm near to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's worship him.